0: Hello lovelies, welcome to the Fat Joy Podcast, where we talk each week about how to flourish in an anti-fat world. I'm Sophia, a fat person and professional coach who loves talking to other fat people about what it's like to live within oppressive systems that marginalize our bodies, and how we still dare to have the audacity and courage to reach towards our collective liberation and embrace our joy. Please know this is an adult content podcast, so there will be swears, we will be talking about harms we've experienced, and we will be rebelling against diet culture, anti-fatness, ableism, racism, etc. If you'd like to support the Fat Joy podcast and get bonus content as a thank you, please check us out at patreon.com slash fatjoy. I am so glad you're here with us. Enjoy. Hello lovelies, welcome back to the Fat Joy podcast. I am joined by Jordan Underwood today. Um, I have been following Jordan for a while, like for sure, at least a couple of years. Um, And I was so drawn to Jordan because of, (laughs) because so many of these videos that Jordan makes are in the car answering questions slash comments that people have left on their socials. And a lot of them are stupid ass questions, but also questions that fat people get. And so I also really admire the work that Jordan puts in to educate with, there is a love to it. Like there's like, you really genuinely want people to get it. I really do. Right? But there's also some wit and some sass comes out and some like, sometimes you throw it back to them. And I just, I love the way that you're able to hold your own space with these questions and comments that come at your account and the accounts of a lot of fat people. And so I've just always appreciated that about you. And Jordan, I also have to say, you totally changed my life with your fat hack recently about necklace extenders.
1: I know. I literally, this is why I'm doing these freaking fat hacks because I feel like there's so many things that like, are like, it's totally like, I feel kind of bad because I'm like, oh, it's capitalism. And I'm like telling people to buy things. But like, There's so many like little accessibility things that people just like don't think about because I feel like as fat people and like maybe also for disabled people as well, it kind of, they go hand in hand for this kind of stuff. Like we just feel like, oh, well, it's not for me. And I just took it as a given. I was like, oh, I just can't wear my necklaces anymore. Oh, well. Yeah. It's like, oh, they just don't make clothes of my size. So I don't, it's just, I feel like it's a mentality that like we, is really ingrained in us because it's like, Oh well like I know that like if I my friend wants to go to Urban Outfitters, well I just can't shop there, so I'm just not gonna go. And it's like totally and it's it's effed up and like we should fight for more inclusion, but I also think there are little things that like exist that can make things for us that maybe we think are not for us. Like necklace extenders. Like necklace extenders that like If you want to get an, like, if you are like, oh, I can't buy anything from Urban Outfitters, even the jewelry is too small. It's like, you know what? There's a little thing that you can, like, take back for yourself, which is, like, even if they're not thinking about you, like, you can can make it for you. I mean, I
0: watched that video, and I literally thought, oh, my gosh, how am I still in that mindset of just accepting?
1: I know, but it's not even, I feel like it's not even your fault, because it's like, we also, I think, have some like shame around these topics too. Of like, well, I don't want to have to do this. I just want to be normal. And it's like, you know what? For sure. But also, like, we're we're not. <laughs> like, I mean, we're not. I will say, we're, not, we're normal. Fat people are normal, right? We exist everywhere. But like, we we are not normalized.
0: Yes. Yes. Yes.
1: And that is okay. Like, I think I at this point in my life, I have this, like, radical acceptance of that, and I'm like, I'm just going to make my life uh, the best that I can with the circumstances I have, and if that means I have to buy an extra, you know, necklace extender, like, yeah, I'm going to label that a fat tax and complain about it, maybe, but, like, I also, I'm going to make sure that other people know that they can have that, too, with, with without the shame around it, and, like, because we deserve all the things. We des- we deserve to have access to everything that everyone else has.
0: It's so true. Well, I have so many beautiful necklaces that I haven't worn in years. And so for $14, I got three different like sterling steel necklace extenders off Amazon came the next day. And I'm like, oh, suddenly my, all of my necklaces are now available to me. Literally. It's a little thing, but it, it matters, right? It, again, it kind of, it normalizes.
1: Yeah. And I think it's like one of those things that in like fat activism and fat lib, like, like it's not, I think sometimes we get so focused on like, oh, we have to like change things to make things better. And it's like, yes, but we also have to like survive until things change. And like, and I think like, I kind of like get stuck in that, like, Oh, I just want to change things. And then I was like thinking about it and I was like, I feel like I, sometimes I get like comments on my TikTok that are like, you're so negative, you're so negative, you're always responding to these comments, like just leave it, whatever. And I'm like, first of all, relax, that's my page, I can do what I want. But also I think there is some validity in that where I'm like, as a person, I I am not, I'm a a very positive person generally. Um, And I think that sometimes that doesn't translate onto my social media. (laughs) And so I've always been thinking of ways that I can like bring more like, you know, lightness or, or just kind of like share more of my personality like on social media in a way that is not always dictated by the negativity that I receive.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful
1: in ways that are are outside of like modeling or other stuff, because that's also like work. And I'm like, I don't know, that still doesn't really feel like like who I am as a whole person. Um, and so when I started doing the fat hacks, I was like, oh, this is actually like I feel really good about doing this, because even though it is like telling people to buy things and that's like kind of annoying, like it is also something that I think is helpful and and I am passionate about it. And like, <laughs> I think it's like helping fat community in a way that is like really tangible and, and makes a difference with people like now, like, like you can order it on Amazon and it'll come tomorrow and you can wear your necklaces again.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: It's so tangible. I love that.
0: I have a very similar feeling to why I started the Fat Joy podcast, because I was just Angry and furious and rageful and wrathful all the time. And I was like, all right, I think I need to do something that has a little bit of joy. So, what happens on the podcast is we bitch and moan for 45 minutes and then we'll talk about joy. And I feel yeah. like <laughs> totally. that, that hits the joy quotient. That's so fair. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, Jordan, we jumped into all the juicy things and we're going to, we're totally going to keep going. But I do want to pause and invite you to tell everyone
1: a little bit about who you are. Yeah, so I'm Jordan. Um I use they he pronouns. I am uh per my bio online, I'm a weird transsexual model. Um I have been modeling since 2018. So fall 2018 was when I signed with my modeling agent and I always like have been online it's something that i i mean i'm 26 which is only relevant to say that i am i'm the youngest millennial so i grew up without the internet and then i got my first cell phone when i was like 11 but it was a flip phone yes and then you know so i didn't like i didn't grow up on online necessarily but um i started kind of engaging online with kind of, I think, from a very young age, like fat politics, I would, I would hesitantly say, um, from like the age of twelve, because I, I started a blog when I was in seventh grade called "People Call Me Fat," and like I was, because I was really mercilessly bullied when I was growing up, um, you know, uh, to the point where I don't really call it bullying i would say it was more like a a collective abuse situation because i was in a class of 40 and i would say every single person was bullying me for uh, about over a year and a half straight and it was really really bad and the school didn't do anything about it and you know my mom like contacted other parents and there was a boys will be boys like attitude about it and then Um, I also was, I grew up in a part of the United States that has the highest amount of uh, eating disorders per capita. What? Oh, wow. Weird um, statistic that my therapist reminded me of this week. Um, And yeah, it was just, it was really something that I was dealing with, not just at school, but then also, um, you know, my doctor, like my mom, my mom and my doctor me on Weight Watchers when I was like eight years old. It was something I had. I grew up with what has now been referred to on TikTok as an almond mom. You know, she's like a size two. She's very thin. And although my, my family, my extended family has like the fat genetics, um, both of my parents, because of that, actually, I think in response to that, were very, very obsessed with health. And, you know, my mom like handmade all my baby food and like, my Dad had a personal trainer that came to our house five days a week, and I was expected to do the exercises with them and you know a lot of that kind of um, behavior and and expectations and whatnot, but i but from a very young age, I had a very strong sense of justice that I do think that I get from both my parents. My mom's a social worker, and my dad is um has been engaged in politics for a long time. And, um, when I was getting bullied, I, I had this experience of this, like, kind of like, this is like a word that comes from racial justice, but like the double consciousness of like, I, like, I felt like I was like experiencing, like. I knew what what I was supposed to be and like the the expectations that were upon me in in the world I was living in right where everyone was very very small and the girls in my class who were were bigger were all engaging in really disordered eating patterns including myself actually at the time and obviously and like um and yet I also like had this like second like, part of me that was, like, I might be fat, and that's bad, and I can, I, I agree that that's bad at the time, not, obviously not now, but, like, at the time, I was, like, I'm fat, and that's bad, but also, being mean is bad, and so don't be mean to me about it, just, like, let me deal with the fact that I'm fat, and I shouldn't be fat, like, that's my problem, I don't want to be fat, but, also, like, bullying is wrong, (laughs) and, like, you know? And so it was this kind of weird, like there was a, just a duality to my experience at the time where I was like fighting with, with my body and myself, but then also acknowledging that what was happening to me was not okay and was, was abusive and, and inappropriate. And so I made this blog where I just like started writing like all of the, every time I was bullied, I would write it down and I would blog it and I would put it out there and then my mom would send my blog to the school so the school had all of the information as well did you identify who said what I so funny I would write like the first letter of their name and then I would do like a star 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 okay so that like um whatever yeah so that like it was like we all, everyone knew, obviously, like it was all very public what was happening. It was, it was kind of thing where I was, I was, it was like people would say things in class, in front of teachers, you know, very, very publicly. It was not like, um, like there was no, there was no hiding about this, right? Because it also, I think if we just remember culturally at the time when I was in seventh grade, it was 2008. So Michelle Obama had just started her get fit whatever it was called get fit campaign or whatever you know it was the the height I would say of like the quote obesity epidemic and people's really just strong desire to eradicate fatness um and that carried through and and not just carried through like socially but even in the education right in our health classes and in the ways in which we were taught about food. We were reading and and watching movies like Food Inc. and like these, these, the uh, we read like the Omnivores Dilemma and like these books that are, yes, about nutrition and and I think that's important. I'm someone who who actually cares really deeply about my health, just separate from my activism work. Like it's something that's important to me, right? But that being said, like it was perpetuating these ideals of like the ideals of health in, in tandem with the fat phobia that is like constant in, in this, like the way that we talk about public health and the way we talk about individual health. Right. Like it becomes this thing where it's like, they're so wrapped up together. Right. And like, There's like very little that I think in teaching kids the way that that we were taught about this stuff that like, it just was like, it was just a recipe for for disaster, I think. And And it would have
0: given all those
1: kids permission, like it was allowed. Permission. And then I think from the teacher's perspective, not to let them off the hook, but it's like we're teaching them this, so can't really punish them for saying it, I guess, you know? Um, and that was kind of the mentality was, we don't know what to do, we're not really trained in this, we, eh, you know, so it was all very, it was very, very interesting to say lightly. Um, so I made my blog and then obviously then I was cyberbullied for my blog people went onto my blog and commented very, very mean, like, yo mama fat jokes all over my blog. Um, and like, you know, it was, it was definitely the start of like, my interest in like social justice and like, I think very fondly onto like, my how I I guess like my desire to do that at that age because the the like front page of the blog literally I I remember I have it saved on my computer actually it like basically the like the introduction post was like everyone says that seventh grade is the worst but they don't know what they're talking about because for me it's actually the worst and I think that like, I want to talk about this so that no one else has to go through what I'm going through. And like, I just like, I was like, it was about me, obviously, like, yes, but it was it at the time I saw, like, I see looking back, like these little pieces of like, it's about me, but it's also about everyone else. And it's like, I know it's not fair. And I know that other people are going through this. And I know that this can't be okay. Like, in general, right? And this can't be normal and we can't continue to normalize this behavior. It's amazing to
0: me that you were that aware at 12. I mean, my fat liberation journey, like 35 maybe? (laughs)
1: It's incredible. I don't even know like how it is possible. Like it's something that I like look back on and I'm like, where did this come from? I'm like, maybe that's so Raven. I don't know. Cause they had that one episode where she was like, I'm fat and it's cool, even though she wasn't really fat, but like, (laughs) you know, like, I don't know. It's like, I don't know what I was consuming that was leading me to, to recognize it as, you know, inappropriate behavior, but. And to take steps
0: to stand up for yourself. Cause that's, I mean, that's huge in and of itself. I mean. This question around your relationship to word, the word fat that I always ask, so many people's stories, myself included, was that deeply internalized anti-fatness that I just believed for decades that I was wrong. And at 12, you're
1: like, no, <laughs> that that's pretty amazing. I still was like, I think at the time, like I, I really, because of that, I can really like look at it linearly. Like I was like, people are calling me fat. And that's a bad thing. And I'm not fat. Was I fat? I don't know. I was 12. So it's kind of, as as calling kids fat, I'm kind of like, well, what is fat when you're 12? I don't really know. But... Or two, if we want to talk about the American, the AAP guidelines. (laughs) Or two, literally. But it's like, you know, I was like, at the time I was still being fat is bad, but also fat people should not be made fun of, right? Okay. Right. Fine. And then... I was in high school and, you know, things kind of settled. I was, you know, I found my people. I went to my, in the town that I grew up in, I grew up in Boston, um, but the public school I went to, it was, so they had K-8 schools and then it was eight to K-8 schools that funneled into one high school.
0: Oh, that's a huge high school, probably.
1: So in my elementary slash middle school, our class was 40 people. And then when I got to high school, it was 500 people. And so... I was able to essentially, like, completely find new people to be around, and, um, you know, things really kind of chilled out a little bit, I guess, Um, and I, like, I found Tumblr, and I was, like, very big on the, like, Tumblr body positivity, like, spaces. Um, I really started more doing the, like, very, like, I will, I will label it as, like, the white girl feminism, like, you know, pussy girl boss, like, type of stuff that is, like, now I cringe so, so hard at. I
0: used to, I used to coach curvilicious ladies, don't you know? Horrible, Tara, I'm no, oh my it. god. <laughs> it's the journey, the journey. Yeah,
1: it it is, and I think it was, you know, a different, a different time for sure, um, and, and, you know, through that, I, I learned things and I got a little bit more radical. And then I actually dated someone who was in eating disorder recovery and they were very thin, but they were like, you know, you're always dieting. Maybe you shouldn't do that. Maybe that's like actually bad for you. Um, and they like sent me, a uh, some sort of like, maybe it was like a medium article or something on like body positivity and fat, fat acceptance. And I was like, whoa mind blown and that was kind of like the start of my anti-diet fat acceptance journey I would say more like concretely yeah because what was it what was it that that article said
0: that you hadn't quite computed before
1: that I could just like be fat yeah and that it was okay I could just be fat full
0: stop and it's okay full stop
1: Cause I, I didn't have any fat people in my life growing up who were okay with, with their size. You know, my, I had people in my family who were fat, who were always dieting. I, you know, both my parents were thin. My brother was very thin. I was, I was always a sports kid. So I wasn't really around other fat kids necessarily. It was not something, and then I get well, I was around other fat kids because I was in fat camps, but like, oh, you went to fat camps, well yeah, I went to like um uh like i would i would call them like a fat day camp like it, the, these different programs where it, it's like the family goes and you see the nutritionist and you see and you do a little exercise and you you go once a week or or twice a week and you go and it's it's like a a long form kind of eight week program. and I never lost any weight. and it was always a failure. and that's why I don't set goals for myself as an adult. <laughs> but like, yeah, so I never went to like a a sleepaway fat camp. You know, I know those are like real and traumatic, and I don't want to take away from that experience by labeling necessarily my which was fat camp, but a, a similar vibe i would say um with maybe a little bit less abuse
0: although it's interesting your whole family went too so everyone
1: so it was really yeah it was like me and then my mom would go or i guess yeah my dad i don't know what he was off doing but <laughs> it was really like the kid and the parent and like there would be like groups and you would like kind of talk about your relationship with food and it was something that i i I still find interesting because it indicates such a deep misunderstanding of fatness, right? That if a, if a child or an adult is fat, they must have a, a poor relationship with food. They must be overeating or they must be doing something wrong. And there is no shame in having like binge eating disorder or, or an eating disorder or eating whatever you want. It's just not my personal story and it's something that I have always felt kind of gaslit around where from a very young age, like from, I remember when I was eight years old and they were showing me the BMI chart and my doctor asked me what my favorite food was and I said tomatoes and then my mom said, well, you love mac and cheese. and. I was like, well, that wasn't the question. You asked what my favorite food was. It was not, do I like mac and cheese? Cause of course I like mac and cheese. I was eight. Um, I still love mac and cheese because it's delicious. Who doesn't? Right? But it's like <laughs> it's just that thing where it's like there's this an assumption about about the the quote lifestyle that all fat people lead. <laughs> that there must be an explanation
0: for the fatness, yeah.
1: And there just never was for me in it, and there still, there still isn't. And it's something that I deal with a lot online still, where people I get comments where people will be like, "How do you have enough money to eat so much to be as fat as you are?" Oh my god! I was just—it's this question that I and I get that question uh, not every day, but I on a weekly basis, and I'm like, "Are you serious right now?" Like I and i and i will say i'm sure some of them are seriously asking some of them are asking to troll i think a lot of people who do troll are not from the states i do believe that a lot of this fat hatred fat kind of these the the people who ask these questions the people who show such a deep misunderstanding of fatness, it would be really hard for me to believe that they are are adults
0: living in the United States or even Canada. Well oh, that's interesting. I just, honestly, I think I probably assumed that they were all...
1: I just, I, I just don't understand uh, how you could live in the United States and not know a fat person and not like obviously fat phobia is is rampant in the United States. It's horrible and it it happens every day and you know, people are are like that. But it's that kind of those specific assumptions I I just I question because I'm like either the only fat person you know has a binge eating disorder so severe and even even if they have binge, that's not really how binge eating disorder works, right? Most people who have binge eating disorder are not are not eating in, in public. Like No, it's secret. Typically. Like that's just not how it works. So I I just like I to me it just indicates a person who has literally never been around a fat person before. And I don't and fat people exist globally, but obviously the rates of fatness are are what differ. And it's really hard for me to believe that someone who is an adult person living in the United States has never met a fat person before. Well, I think it'd be impossible because isn't it like
0: 60% of female identifying people are a size
1: 18 and higher, 18 or I think? Above. And that was a pre-pandemic statistic. So I, I personally believe that's probably higher now, but um, yeah, I just, it's, it's it's a theory. I could be super, super off base. We
0: need you to, like, track back comments. Like, get some kind of bot that, like, reverse engineers origins. I know. <laughs> I'd love to,
1: like, have the citizens around it. It's just something that I... Because I do get a lot of trolls who, like, have flags in their bios, and they are not obviously the United States. I get a lot more, like, I would say transphobia from people who I would imagine are from the U.S., but... right. But there's this kind of like, I don't know, I I really assume most of them are like European because also Europeans have a type of anti-fatness that is just kind of goes for the U.S., right? Where they're like, oh, well, if you're fat, you're from the U.S. And like, that's kind of the vibe of the anti-fatness. My partner in high school, I came out as queer at a very young age. I came out to the people in my school when I was 13. And I'm sure that also helped with all the bullying, you know, but... Um, I was neither here nor there. Um, I came on to my mom when I was 16 or 17 um, as gay, and then I came out as trans later when I was like 20, um, 21. Um, but uh, yeah, so my partner in high school opened my eyes, I guess, to, you know, fat liberation in some way. And I got really kind of invested in it online. I followed Caleb on Tumblr, like, you know, I really, it's so funny. um, And like, just like really started engaging with like the fat fashion creators and like, you know, all this stuff. And, and so that was kind of where that kind of my, my more like concrete, I guess, like internet presence began um and I had like a little bit of a following on Tumblr because I went to college for musical theater and so I would post dance videos on Tumblr um I took these like high heels hip hop classes and I would post the class videos and so I kind of gained a little bit of traction there and I was you know on Instagram but not too much um oh I will say also when I was in high school I wrote uh an essay for the school newspaper where I talked about being bullied in elementary school and I did uh, name the people who bullied me for my school. That is bold. (laughs) I know. I was really a bold kid, let me tell you. And then the girlfriend of one of the kids like confronted me in the in the like uh, theater room and i literally like almost fought her it was so funny she was like you're going to ruin ethan's life and i was like ethan ruined my life so i don't care yeah
0: <laughs> i feel like I this like, is a
1: movie this is a movie i swear like i'm not even lying like it was so funny um but yeah so i wrote that in high school and um that was i think another like like, a pinpoint of, like, okay, I'm, like, staking my, my claim around, like, my fat identity, and I think at that point, I was, I don't know if I was calling myself fat necessarily, like, with, with my whole chest, but I was, I was more so, I guess, like, asserting my my position as someone who is viewed as fat and and being like and yes and that's how I am and so screw everyone <laughs> stake my claim here yeah
0: and then I and I remember you saying this this partner also was talking to you about dieting like had you did you stop weight cycling and dieting at that point too?
1: yeah so I that was when I kind of was like, I'm just not gonna do it anymore. And it it happened kind of, there was like a, like I guess like a, a height of the dieting too, where I was like, because of my doctor, I was put on a like zero carb diet. And I was just, I felt so sick all the time. I was like, I am 16 living a very, Active life, right? I was in all the plays and all the musicals. I was dancing. I was, you know, going to school. I was walking to school every day. You know, I was doing all these things and I was like, I can't, like, I do not have enough energy to get through the day. And, like, I think that was like, like, those two things kind of happening at the same time kind of like collided to me being like, I'm done.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: Like, I, I, it's not. You can say it's about my health all you want. I don't believe you. Well, and we know better now. I mean, and we knew, we've, we've known better for a hundred years, but. (laughs) Yeah. And also at the time, I had another, there was another kind of, I guess, like third prong of this, which was that, um, I had an incident at my doctor's office where, I mean, obviously growing up, every time I went to the doctor, it was tears and it was, you know.
0: I'm so sorry. It's just so shitty.
1: Really, really traumatic experience of, you know, knowing that I was going to get, you know, gaslit and told that the exercise I was doing was not good enough or that I wasn't trying hard at the diet they put me on or whatever it was. It was so much of like, if you were trying harder, you would be thin,
0: right. The evidence that you're not is your body. And it's like, yes, it's, And there's nothing you can say as a fat person to someone who believes that
1: literally. And I had this this time where I went to my doctor for a checkup, I guess. and she my mom, I guess, was not there. Maybe she was just wasn't there. Maybe I drove myself. I don't really remember. but, at some point, it was just me and her in her office and she was like, well, you know, we could put you on a weight loss medication there's something really wrong with your health, but, but we could try that. And I was like, and at the time, like, I mean, this was the early 2010s, like from my understanding of like weight loss medication at the time, it was like basically meth, like, you know, they're like basically putting you on speed. Yeah, like fenfen." Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, God. And I knew that because I was, at at that point, I was already engaging in the fat lib tumblr spaces. And I was really, really, just because of my parents' obsession around health and my own obsession around, or I guess (laughs) the obsession around health that was put onto me, I was looking and reading a lot at the like health at every size like pages online and really really like reading the studies and like being like i know that if you're all saying that you care about my health you wouldn't be doing this
0: well and the doctor even said your health is fine
1: which yeah. should have been a
0: full stop but then went on but we could introduce something harmful if you want so that you will lose weight
1: and I was like, oh, okay, so this is 100% superficial and like, and I was really upset about it. And I went to my mom and I was like, we had the same doctor at the time. It was her, we had, it was like a small private practice. So I said to her, I was like, Dr. Corliss just said this to me. It's really like messed up. And she was like, well, I don't know, like maybe you should try it. And I was like patty i was like i was like listen to me what would you do if your doctor sat you down and said your health is fine but i really think we should give you some botox i really just think it would be better for you if you had some botox that's a great response (laughs) how would that make you feel i was like just like let me know like how how really genuinely like think about it like how would that make you feel they were like you need this you need botox right because your face does not conform to the current beauty ideals and if you don't do it you're gonna die you're gonna die if you don't get botox like that genuinely like that was like and and that was kind of one of many conversations that we had and now my mom is really really supportive and and is a great oh ally but it took a really long time and a lot of sobbing and yelling, and you know, the things that happen. And, and I mean, whereas you mentioned the AAP guidelines and it's one of the things that makes me so upset about those guidelines is that I think that like family relationships are going to be so utterly ruined by this because I went, when I talked to my mom about that time, right. And, and especially the younger years, her narrative is that it was something that I asked for. I asked to go to Weight Watchers. I asked to to do Weight Watchers at eight years old, to do Nutrisystem at 12, to go on these diet, the Jenny Craig and the the fat camps and the all the thing. It was my my request. Yep. But what they don't get is that I wanted her approval. You're when you're 12, when you're eight. You don't really have this this whole, like, oh, my eight-year-old mind knew what I wanted. Like, let's be so real. Let's be really, really, really real. Like, it's not real. and I And I know, like, when the guidelines got released, I was like, if I, if they had offered for me to be on a weight loss medication at eight years old, I would have said yes if they all told me that I should get bariatric surgery at 13 because I would become thin and it would be great, I would have asked for it. And I would have, I would have, I would have begged for it, you know? And, and that would have been my decision. I know. It's so, yeah. And just for people who don't know, the AAP is
0: the, it's, tell if I get this right, Jordan, it's the American Association of Pediatricians.
1: Pediatrics, yeah. Pediatrics,
0: okay, yeah. And if you're not aware of this, this is a huge thing in FatLib right now because these guide, quote-unquote guidelines came out that were all funded by Novo Nordisk, basically, which is a pharmaceutical company that has promised its shareholders something like, I this might be slightly off, but something like $25 billion increase in shares and profits by 2025 with the release of Wegov, which is a weight loss drug. And they have, they do a lot of bariatric surgery stuff. So their recommendations are now that children as young as two should be put on diets and children as young as 13, 12, I think 12, uh, 12 or 13 should have bariatric surgery, which is basically crippling them for life. And the shocking thing is there is no fucking research especially around bariatric surgery, beyond four to five years. It, and now kids are going to get it at, what, 13? We have no idea what's going to happen to them. I mean,
1: it's astonishing. I know people who had bariatric surgery in high school, and they don't speak fondly of of that decision. And all of them are fat. Yeah. It all comes back. That's what (laughs) I know. It's, I mean, like, that's the thing is like, it's, it's, and they now have a diseased state
0: stomach. So like, it's just, I know someone who's gone in twice uh,
1: the second time. And I'm just like, oh my, like your, your body. When people ask why I am as fat as I am, it's, it's something that like, if it's a, if it's a conversation I want to genuinely have with that person, like, dieting at 8 years old is is not good for your body it changes your body chemistry in a way that is irreversible right it 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 messes with your metabolism in a way that is irreversible and like that if anything i mean i don't know i'm not a doctor i'm not a scientist we don't really know why people people are fat because also Fat people can't even die. Uh, uh, what's it called? Donate their bodies to science. Oh, we can't. I always just thought that's what I would do
0: with mine. Ah. No, you're not allowed to. We're not allowed. Wow, them. isn't take them. that great? We have a radically anti-fat medical profession, and I was hoping my body could help them create tools and instruments.
1: No, no, Ugh. not allowed. So, like, I mean, we die, we die early, and they say, "Well, guess it's your body. I don't know. Burn it." Like, you know, it's just like they don't there's no desire to actually understand fatness. and and it's so interesting to me because they're so so committed to to eradicating fatness.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you'd think that in the search for a, a quote, cure for fatness, maybe they'd want to study some fat corpses. I don't know. Like I to me, it seems like maybe it could help them in their, their goal. I don't know, but like, it's just so interesting to me that like, we're so, so confident that fat people die early because of our fatness. But I mean, obviously we know that's not true. We know it's because of weight stigma and other things. And, you know, the added stress of living in a marginalized body, it's it's because of a lot of different things, but
0: but it's not a simple answer and we like simple, we like simple answers. It's easy. It's just so much easier for people to say, oh, fat
1: equals bad. Totally. And like, and it, it's funny because I listened to this podcast. They were talking about fatness and like, it was a public health podcast actually. And this woman was on it and she was talking about like, quote, like, obesity, the obesity crisis, and, like, fatness, and um, one of the things that she was a part of the research that uh, came out that basically says that, like, your weight is only, like, 20% in your control. 100%, yeah.
0: Yeah, food and, like, what you eat and what you how you exercise is, like, 20 at most 3% what makes your body type the way it is. And it's all these other things that actually impact it.
1: Yeah. Okay. And so uh, the podcast is called America Dissected. Um, but it's it's a good podcast I like it. It's um, you know, I mean it's kind of like liberal, you know, like like capital like a uh, Democrats, you know, like lips not very progressive, I would say. But it is like it's public health, you know. It's interesting. Um, but like I so she was saying that like when this research came out, she expected everyone to be like, oh my God, amazing. It's out of our wow. It's out of good. Let's figure out, like, you know, XYZ. And everyone, fat, thin, doctor, everyone was mad. They're mad about it. They're like, no, this is not true. <laughs> like, because people, especially in the US, where we have such a individualistic capitalism, like, I'm a I'm going to make myself thin if I try it. I'm going to make myself rich if I, you know, it doesn't matter. My my identities don't matter. I can just work hard enough and then I'll be the best, right? That mentality, when we're told that that's not true, it doesn't matter what it is about. Like, people get so freaking mad and it's like, I'm like, I'm a socialist, so I don't get it. I'm like, I'm like, tell me it's not in my control because I know that's true, <laughs> With like 90% of things that happen. Like,
0: <laughs> that narrative is so powerful. And then, like you say, when you start to see through it, it's very confronting. And if people don't want to be confronted in that way, or it's like, so it's like, you know, if I talk to a white person and I'm like, you know, because we're white, we're racist, you know that, right? And they get immediately defensive and upset. It's like, okay, yes, I know that's hard to confront. And how can we not be? so let's do the work, let's get thoughtful, let's just like be with it. It's this, I, not that it's the same, but like it's, it. what always shows up for me, both in my work as a coach and in these conversations with all these amazing fat people is that there is this unwillingness to have our world views confronted. And it's like, there, there's a fragility that people have and If you're not living in a marginalized body, if you're benefiting from the systemic oppression of others, why would you want to have that taken away? I mean, I can understand it and that does not make it okay still.
1: Yeah, and I think that even fat people, like I think some people will hear that fat people are upset about that and be like, why? And it's like, because, because we view fatness as a temporary state. Even as fat people, I think that even myself, I I catch myself like the, viewing fatness in that way sometimes, not often, but every once in a while, and, and I'm like, because of that, I think even like people who are like, I'm fat and I'm happy, like it, the idea of like a thin future is like a safety for people it's like yeah
0: it's like then we're taking away their future
1: yeah they're like well well it's okay i'm fat and i'm happy but like you know one day one day i'll be thin and and things will be better right and like i mean i know i felt that way growing up constantly right and and now i'm a fat adult and i acknowledge that that is not my reality and i don't want it to be my reality because i love my body and i love my fatness and i I think if I were a thin person, I'd probably be like a lot uh, worse of a person than I am, to be honest. Like, I don't know. Like, (laughs) I just like, I, I like who I am. And I think that like my fatness has taught me a lot and made me who I am in a lot of ways. And like, and I think that, but I think a lot of people don't view it that way. And, and yeah. And I get why. You know, like the
0: the constant messaging that we get is is really clear that, that fatness is wrong and bad and a moral ethical failing of the individual person. So, yeah. I wanted to ask about, I'm so curious how you got into modeling. How did that happen for you, Jordan? I can
1: talk about that. So I have always, um, like loved getting my picture taken just like it's like a funny thing like even i mean maybe not so much when i was like really really self-conscious in like kind of middle school and dealing with a lot of the bullying stuff um but as a child and like as as late like i would say around when i when i really kind of got into fat like when i was solidly like on tumblr being like being fat is okay like I see it like I like in high school, like just so many pictures of myself and like everyone would always tell me, Oh, you're so photogenic and I was someone who always got the oh your face is so pretty, like I just <laughs> like, so fricked, but also it's whatever. I mean it's just kind of funny <laughs> at this point. Um but like So it was something that I was like, oh, well, I have a new face, so I should be a model. And like, but I mean, whatever. So when I got to uh, college, I moved to New York in 2014 um, to go to school for musical theater. And uh, that was actually what I was doing professionally up until the pandemic. Oh,
0: you were. Can I I ask a quick question about that? Did you ever get comments or pushback being a fat person going into musical theater oh 100 okay because i've i've heard sparkle jams talk uh tracy Cox, i think is the actual name talk about this and i was like oh that makes total yeah
1: i i mean i'll just give a brief i guess anecdote because it kind of goes into the story but so i had a i did like a program uh like pre-college uh program because when you go to school for musical theater it's really, really intense. The audition, you have to audition at every single school you apply to and you have to sing, you know, prepare different material for each school. Typically, it's several songs and multiple monologues, and then you have to do a dance call, and it's all just really intense. Um, And there are like, kind of like the big 10 musical theater schools, right? And I did a program where we were working with um, we got to do essentially a mock audition in front of, I think it was like six people who worked at those 10 schools. And, um, the feedback that I was given after my audition, mock audition was that I had the talent to get accepted into those schools, but they weren't interested in having another fat student. <gasps> And so, like there's a quota, we can only have one
0: point five fat students,
1: yeah, they were not interested in in fat students at their school, and oh, they literally said that, yeah, not to my face, but to my the person who I was like essentially my college counselor, um, and she told me verbatim that, and I was like, okay,. <laughs> does to do with that information um but it's it was just it was really it was really upsetting and frustrating and kind of validating because I was like well now I know why I'm not getting in places like and to be fair I got into I auditioned at I think 12 or 13 schools and I got into half of them and I went to NYU and I you know I like I'm started working professionally, like, uh, right after I graduated, like, literally the summer after I graduated, it was, it's not something that I think, like, really, I feel grateful for ending up where I ended up, even though I had kind of a, a you know, I have mixed feelings about my college experience, but I'm happy with the life that I have had, I'm <laughs> like, I think that, like, that's okay, um, but it is really 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 fat phobic especially in colleges because and and the industry gets away with it because the colleges do the work to weed out the fat actors oh i see i see quite literally it was just it just came out that at syracuse which is a school in upstate new york um on the college audition form they literally have like body type and then they like check off like like thin muscular like fat you know that like they literally have it on the sheet on people's audition sheet and it's like it's it's so blatant and and so unchecked um like i i know people who went to school and they have ballet boot camp every single morning at 7:30 and in the ballet boot camp they have to say to themselves in the mirror i will have a broadway body
0: a broadway body a broadway
1: body and it's cuz they and it's this kind of like punishing where they will they will make the fat or they even just not fat but the the larger students the girls who are a size 6 and 8 go to this this 7:30 a.m. boot camp to lose the weight that they come into college with, right? And it's, and when I was auditioning for schools, I was not, I, I ran into a very, I would say privileged problem where that I was told that I was too pretty to play the fat characters, but too fat to play the ingenues. And so, and I was told that explicitly. Um, And so while I was, I, at the time, I mean, I was maybe a, a size 18 when I was, I was 16, 17 auditioning for schools. I was small fat for sure. I was also in high school, so so neither here nor there. Um, but like, I, I just, I was not that fat and like it was still such a big issue for them. And not only that, but like the fact that I like it's just, like, the fact that, like, they need... Because theater is so archetypal, even more than TV and film. Like, the fat characters are ugly. The fat characters are the villains. The fat characters are undesirable. They're the moms. They're the, the whatever, the mayors. <laughs> like, um you know, whoever it is, the villains. And so, like, they were like, oh, a fat person who... At the time, I mean, I also had the privilege of, I've always had kind of like a more hourglass shape. And so I think that what was happening was that they were seeing me and they saw that I was a white, like desire qual desirably shaped, right? Hourglass, pretty. At the time, you know, I was a, when I, I was out as gay, but I was very femme presenting girl. Uh, at the time, I'm <laughs> like, I think that was really something that they were like, well, we we don't know what to do with that because it's still not believable that someone would love her, but, you know, it's also not believable that she would be a villain. So we're just gonna not, you know, not have her here. And i I mean, that is a very privileged reason to get rejected from schools, right? But it also, it just, I think, like, indicates, like, so much of, like, the the mentality around fatness and also, like, the anti-blackness in fatness and, and the transphobia in fatness and all these things, right? The, the ableism in fatness, a lot of the reason why people, I mean, the, the excuses that these people would give for why they did not want a fat student is that, well, they can't keep up. It's really intense. We have we have 4 hours of dance a day, which I had 4 hours of dance a day in college and I was fine. You know, it was not ever a problem for me. Um but and not to say that like I mean that in itself is a problem, right? Because then if you're disabled, you can't go to school for you can't go to school for musical theater. No, I was thinking that too. I was like what about people with disabilities? Like I mean it's really it, I was there there were disabled kids in my class but it was it was hard for them and it was, you know, looked down upon. And like, if you had to, I know the one kid in my class had diabetes and they had to like, if they had to sit out to check their insulin or sit out to have a snack, like it was, it was really criticized and and looked down upon and ultimately like made fun of and, you know, all these things because it's seen as in theater, like, this is gonna send into like greater problems in the theater industry. But there is this like mentality where you're taught to just do what you're told, do what you're told, take your note, do what you're told. Don't talk back, you know. Which is why, you know, there's so much abuse. I was just gonna say this is why, yeah, in theater and TV film and and these things where like where people like Harvey Weinstein can can get away with it for years and years and years and years because we are trained to not speak out we are trained to take the abuse and to to be smaller physically and also emotionally and mentally right we're we're taught to just squish 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 and just you know be moldable and if you're not moldable if you're too and and that includes like right if you are have too many like marginalized identities right you're not multiple you're not you're not a blank slate and in a white supremacist world country a blank slate is thin white cis straight all these things gender conforming like you know it's able bodied able minded all these exercises.
0: and it's so easy to see how, like, that is all about power and control. One hundred percent. I mean, it just, yeah. I, I'm, I want to talk to you about now. You've, you're so you said you were doing that until COVID. Oh,
1: so I went to school. <laughs> I didn't even answer your question. So I, <laughs> so then I when I got to school, I was like, oh, what a model. Like that's cool. I'm in New York. Might as well look into it. So, I kind of did some Googling my freshman year of school. I was 18. I was, um, you know, loved America's Next Top Model. Uh, but I was like, they've done a short season. I don't know. Maybe this is the thing now. I'm only 5'4. I'm very short. So, or I guess not very short, but I'm, you know, shorter in the modeling world. I'm very short. <laughs> so, um, I looked up many, many agencies and the shortest people on their lists were like 5'7", 5'8". And so I was like, I am four inches too short for this career. So I guess I'll just do what I'm doing. And I kind of put it out of my mind. I was like, whatever, you know, and I got my pictures taken a lot still because for acting, right, you have to do headshots, you do production shots, you, you know, everyone's always has a camera, like, just for Instagram, and social media and all these different things. Um, and I was kind of like, okay, whatever, I love getting a picture taken, but like, that's for production shoots and that's for, you know, pictures of the shows that I'm in. Right. Um, and then when I graduated, it was 2018, I was working professionally in New York still. And one of my friends sent me, my friend Marissa sent me this like, uh, thing that she saw on Instagram and it was a modeling agency that was looking for models for a boutique modeling agency, no height requirement, no size requirement. And so she was like, submit. I was like, Okay. Like, like, I mean, I have nothing to lose. Like I'm, I'm submitting for shows every day. Like might as well just throw my hat in the bag, as they say. And, um, and I did. And then I signed with them like literally four days later and I'm still with the same modeling agent.
0: So what kind of modeling work do you do? Is it like, I don't know anything about
1: modeling. Is it like I was gonna be like print media? I don't know, yeah. I've done a, I've done like really uh like a lot of different stuff. I've had kind of like a varied, I guess, modeling career. um because when you are like a larger plus size person in the modeling industry, the work is kind of is sparse, right? mostly because a lot most of the brands, which we know statistically, of clothes in the United States are made in straight sizes. And then a plus sizes, right, most plus sizes stop at a 24, which means the models they're hiring are at biggest like a 20, maybe an an 18. Right, Um, Right. So I model for a lot of smaller brands, a lot of like slow fashion, like indie kind of brands I've modeled for Ray, I've modeled for Big Bud Press, I've modeled for, um, Tamara Mollis. Um, I did like a pretty big campaign for the underwear company Thinks when they did their like re, they like redid their plus sizes. Um, like maybe almost two years ago now. And so they had a big campaign for that. I've been in Teen Vogue a couple of times. Um, Yeah, I feel like it's just kind of random. I've modeled for that dating app, Lex, like twice. It's like a gay dating app and they're probably not in Canada. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, I haven't heard of it. (laughs) Um, But like, yeah, I did that. I did a big, one of my, the first big modeling job I had was actually for Planned Parenthood. I did, um, they were doing, this was 2019, I want to say. Yeah, it was like June 2019 there was a big kind of slew of abortion stuff going on in the United States and obviously now it's much worse but mm-hmm. it was the start of they have this campaign called bans off our bodies and um or the bans off my body campaign and that was when it began so it was um it was both a video ad that like played like a YouTube ad um and it played nationally and then also there was a photo shoot and those pictures were displayed in times square so that was like really 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 cool like um yeah and they hired i was out as trans at that point and they it was really cool because they had several trans mask people on um in the campaign and I was like, wow, like, you know, it was, it was cool to see like other trans models, um, and just like trans people being included in that kind of advocacy because, I mean, it shouldn't be, but it, it, it is, can be a surprise, right? Cause not, I mean, a lot of the abortion work is very like cis woman forward and 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 makes a little bit of sense because most people who need those services are cis women, but also there's a lot of people who are not cis women who need them too. And yeah, I so yeah, so that was kind of my modeling uh the beginning of my modeling career, I guess. That's
0: so great. It must feel so I don't know. I imagine it would feel very vindicating to be like, yes, in this body that I have I have a photo or a a video, whatever it was, in Times Square. Like, that is so defiant of that. That's amazing. Congrats. It's huge. Thank you. It was really
1: cool. And I think, like, I think a lot about, like, what about, like, fat activism and, like, fat liberation and, because that's a movement, right? We're very minimized, I think, in leftist spaces. We're we're treated like, you know, delusional or like or like people a lot of people are like, it's not real, it's not that important, like there's more important things to go on. And I think like something that I've been recently thinking a lot about is like um like movement mapping, um, where it's like There's this thing that, like, I saw a lot, like, June 2020, people posting about this, of, like, in social justice movements, there's, like, different roles that people take on. There are artists, there are storytellers, there are protesters. This is the,
0: is it Deepa Ayer's social mapping? Yes, 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 yes. yes. It's so good. I'll find a link to it, because it shifted what I thought my role could be, that graphic,
1: Yes. Um, educators and, and you know, all these different roles and people in politics. And, you know, it's it's the whole circle, right? And um, a lot of times I get comments like where people will be like, oh, well, fat activism is just online. Like, what do you people even do anyways? Like, it's not real. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, I, I mean, like, I know people who are doing this work legislatively. Like, I know people, like, like NAFA, NAFA works with like people in politics all the time. Like it's, it's not, this is, I mean, anything in the medical field, right? That is like, we're not talking about a movement that exists solely online. And if you feel that way, then that is um, not based in reality. And I really am like, I've been thinking about making some posts about like using that graphic and that model and and showing people like these are the different parts of this movement and it all is it all works together to do what we're doing to
0: create change yeah absolutely yeah
1: and so i bring that up only to say that like i think that the modeling work that i do and the and the, the acting that i do are a part of my activism work um, in a way that I think is it can very easily be minimized because obviously like there's a lot of people who have marginalized identities who are visible and like you know I'm not gonna say that Caitlyn Jenner being visible is like activism work for trans people right because she causes a lot of harm to us but I think there is something to be said about being visible as a marginalized person living a full life and showing people, especially kids, that there is a world where you are a fat adult and you are happy and you you are living a full life. Because that's something that I did not see as a child. And it really, really, I think harmed my mental space like as especially a younger kid like you know only being like well i will never have a partner unless i'm skinny i will never get married if unless i'm skinny i will never have a career unless i'm skinny right and and having that like all all views of my future of like a thin version of myself and like i think that's really really harmful even just like (laughs) mental health-wise, like, if we're talking, like, even just, like, not to, like, be super dark, but, like, for suicide prevention, I'm, like, if you're telling kids that, like, they can only have a life if they're in a different body, like, that, to me, is very dangerous.
0: It's deeply dangerous. You take away all possibilities. Yeah. Which leaves you with hopelessness, helplessness, and stuckness. Like, what, do people think that's gonna do good? No.
1: Especially when you combine it with the narrative that, like, fat people all die when we're young, right? Like, it's kind of this, like, I think it's very similar to the way that we talk to trans kids, right? Of, like, you know, you're either going to kill yourself or you're going to get murdered. Like, it's it's the same kind of, like, it's you tell trans kids that and you tell fat kids that, like, they're going to have a heart attack when they're 20, right? And it's like, well, probably not, actually. <laughs> Statistically, probably not. So let's maybe not have that be the dominant narrative. But um yeah, I think it's like I say only to say like I think that the the modeling work I do is important to me one because financially it's important to me, but then also because like uh I I just I it's showing people that it it is a part of like the normalizing and the humanizing of of fat people and like and and honestly also just like being like you can't erase us. We have always been here and we will always be here. I don't care about your freaking guidelines, like we we exist and you're gonna have to deal with it. Like, you know, I mean there is proof of fat life in in our ancestors and there will be fat life in the future if we have one, if climate change doesn't kill us all in five years. Like, you know, so it's just like, I think that's a part of it. And staking that claim is really important, especially, and, it, and it's interesting there's so few fat models, but I think. Those of us who get to this point and who are doing this work, all, 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 most, if not all of us are engaged in fat activism in some way or another, like I'm not all fat I'm not not all I was not all plus size models, but I would say all of the fat models that I know who are like above a size twenty. And maybe it's just the people in my life, but all of us are very, very engaged in foul liberation work because I think you need to be to be so visible. Yeah,
0: absolutely. To make sense of the responses that you get and the way that you're treated. Yeah. I'll have to have you back, Jordan, to talk about what happens with you online. I feel like that'll be a that'll be a second conversation. Cause this has been so interesting to see because I think there's a lot of similarities and parallels to what you've experienced in your different like what you've talked to us here today about as what we see online. If you don't follow Jordan, definitely check them out on their socials, I'll of course link to everything Um, Jordan, I want to kind of, and we were starting to go there, start to close in on the joy piece. Like, how do you stay connected to joy? What gives you fat joy?
1: Yeah, Um, I think, like, modeling definitely gives me fat joy. Um, As of lately, I uh, have been doing a lot of water aerobics and... I have another friend who's deep
0: into water aerobics right now. Yeah, I'm really big in
1: the water aerobics game right now. Uh, And so I go to the YMCA uh, near my house in Brooklyn and it's me and like 20 fat old people. Yes. (laughs) And like literally like it is so... Just like fun to be like splashing around with like all these, like genuinely, like they've all got to be like 70 or yes. older. Like, I'm not even <laughs> like, no joke. Like, I just like, I, I'm, the, I'm a cancer, obviously. <laughs> I love the water, I'm very sensitive, you know, things, <laughs> all these things. And like, water and being being in the ocean and swimming is always something that I've found a lot of like peace and joy in doing. And I think like as fat people, um we have the privilege of being flotation devices. As I've that's been such a joy as
0: my body has gotten fatter, I will never drown. Like I can just lie like this and
1: float Ooh it's so cool it's amazing i <laughs> literally like i think like in the summertime like that's my my primary source of fat joy mm-hmm. and and now in my water aerobics it is also my fat joy um and i i mean i'm someone who's always like found a lot of joy in like being like in, like, moving my fat body, like, I, and, you know, it probably comes from trauma, but, like, you know, I, like, it's, like, defiance. (laughs) It is the defiance of it, and, like, I kind of love, like, you know, when I was in college and I was dancing, uh, probably more than I should have, but I, I, I kind of loved, like, being in class and, like, with all the, like, quite literally, like, the rockets like, in my dance classes, like, and being the fattest person in the room by God knows how many pounds, but probably over a hundred and like, just like being there and being like, we're both here. Like, you know, like the, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't get rid of me. You like, I'm just like, I'm just like a little bug. I'm like, ha, ha. like, you know, um, I don't know. I just love kind of like, like, (laughs) like, you know, people be like, Oh, you're like queering the space. I'm like fattening the space. I'm like, like, you know, I think there's like these spaces that are like, so like sanctimonious, or I don't even know the right word for thin people where it's like, Oh, but I was just like here and we're skinny and it's like, and it's like, but what if you weren't all skinny and now I'm here And, like, (sighs) like, that is pretty damn joyful. I just, like, love to infect the space like that. I think it's so fun. Um, Yeah. And I also just, like, I think I have a lot of joy in, like, um, right now, like, with, I've gotten, you know, more into TikTok and stuff. And, like, um, I've found a lot of joy in, like, being in online community with other fat creators, who really, like, stick up for each other and support each other. And I had this, like, really kind of wild thing happen on TikTok where, like, this girl, like, took one of my modeling pictures and, like, um, made, like, a minute-long video about it and was, like, zooming in on my legs and, like, zooming in on different parts of my body and was, like, making fun of me essentially, and then like using my body to talk about the so-called obesity crisis. And, but that happened and it was all very tragic, but so many of my friends like stitched her and were like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> you know, and, and it's something that I, because of my, my upbringing in theater and in sports, I I didn't really have fat people around like that. And now, even if it's online, I I think I feel supported in a way that I haven't historically. Yeah, I was just thinking like and like with my podcast and and you know with those beautiful people and like, you know, being able to like Post something or to text our podcast group chat or to be here on this podcast and just like know that there is while we all have differences and we all have, you know, different marginalizations and experiences. and we we live different places, which really impacts the way in which fat phobia, I think, hits. I think like we don't talk enough about that part of it, like the geography part of fat phobia. Um, but, like, We still all kind of, no matter what, want to protect each other and know that, like, we all deserve to live as we are without mistreatment.
0: Absolutely.
1: And, like, that feels like such a low bar, but also but it's also it's where it is it's where the bar (laughs) is and I think that like that is if you can find that be that online or in person or at work or whatever it is like it's really special and healing
0: yeah absolutely Oh, so beautiful, Jordan. It's amazing to talk to you. Thank you. thank you, thank you. i'm thank you for having me. Yeah, and you were just so open and sharing your story and kind of how you've walked through this world so far. and I'm so grateful for that. I think um, there's a lot that is so deeply relatable and inspiring. so I'm so grateful um, to you.
1: Thank you
0: Before we go, I'd like to read a poem because poetry can reach our hearts in a different way. Poems can have us feel in a different way. And that's what this podcast is all about. Expanding our hearts, deepening our empathy, and inviting in joy. So each week, you get a new poem. I knew this was the poem to read when interviewing Jordan Underwood. Jordan is constantly under fire from Trolls Online, and yet they still do the work of Fat Liberation. They still live loudly. They post pictures of their body. They talk about all the things, giving voice and representation to so many others. So this is the poem for Jordan. It's called, Won't You Celebrate With Me? And it's by Lucille Clifton. Won't you celebrate with me? what I have shaped into a kind of life. I had no model. Born in Babylon, both non-white and woman, what did I see to be except myself? I made it up. Here on this bridge between starshine and clay, my one hand holding tight my other hand. Come celebrate with me that every day something has tried to kill me and has failed. Thank you for joining me today. My hope is that you're feeling a little less alone and a little more seen. So until the next episode, you can find me on Instagram at fatjoy.life, on YouTube at youtube.com slash at fatjoy, and on Patreon at patreon.com slash fatjoy. Please do check out the show notes for how you can connect with my amazing guest and for the links to the poem. All right, lovely. I am sending you off with my best wishes for an abundantly fat joy day. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Bye-bye.